0: Welcome back to Wraith TV, Christian Nadi. Um, it's been seven years since I've caught up with you last. We um, we all experienced time moving very fast, so it's great to once again be in your company. Um, how's things? Good. Thank you for having me. Everything's good. Great. It was. Uh, I'm really grateful that uh, we gave you a wee call. You were so keen to chat. Um, we're looking particularly um, before our final league game of the season where Wraith Rovers hopefully chasing um, a successful playoff outcome, entertain the World League Champions hearts, two clubs that uh, are kind of close to your own story. Um, so I'm going to start with Wraith Rovers, as we obviously would at, at Ray TV. 37 games and nine goals. Um, how was how was your, your time with Wraith Rovers?
1: Uh, it, was really, it was really good. It was really good. Obviously, they were up and down because of my personal life. But um, every time I was uh, on the pitch, I gave my all. Um, the, the the coach and the staff was amazing. The player were amazing. Uh, the fans even better. So yeah, the, a great time uh, actually.
0: Great. Um, high points during your uh, your thirty seven games were, were not difficult to find. Um, I'm going to pick pick on a couple of high points, and then I want to speak a wee bit about just an observation that, that we made from the kind of sidelines and watching that particular team. Um, I'm going to take your mind back to February, 2015, Eibach Stadium. Um, yeah. It had been a fortress, certainly, against Raith Rovers. We hadn't won there for 56 years. Um, so even, even I wasn't old enough to see that uh, particular earlier victory. But we went there on Scottish Cup duty. Um, quite an empty Ibrox Stadium. Um, not the biggest of crowds. And maybe only 100, 130 Raith Rovers fans. But we came out victorious. What do you remember of that match?
1: Yeah, I think then the fact then the ibrox wasn't full was uh, very good for us because uh, we are a young team and maybe the pressure of the fans could have been impact some of the players but it was it was a great afternoon it was a great afternoon um the, uh, our fans even though they were only 130 like you said they made a lot of noise um i think that 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 day phew, Every players in our team could have been uh, Rangers players. We played very, very good football, very strong in the back, and um, we managed to complete like to score the opportunities we we had. So it was a great opportunity, great game, and, and even better because we won. So
0: uh, we won, but not only did we we win, but you got the, the winning goal. Um, Ryan Conroy gets the first goal. Rangers equalised, and then you have um, the famous uh, bundling the ball over the line and the famous celebration after it. Yeah. Can, can is it possible to put that
1: into words how that feels you know it's, it's, di- it's difficult when you score a goal with a set, some, uh, big magnitude to uh, to um, to explain how you feel when you score something like that it's just all I remember from that it was just uh, um, I don't remember the name of the defender trying to find a solution to put the ball away no. and I was oh my god I'm going to put everybody on the goal I'm going to put everybody on the net so I'm just going to run straight and Who's gonna be on my way? End up in the net. Hopefully, the ball went to, the ball went my way, and I just pushed it, and then after that, I
0: don't know. I, I spoke with Grant Murray after the game, and 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 he was very clear that that he really thought we had an excellent chance. where you know Rangers were in the league at that time, and um, and he was very confident going into the cup tie, um, but maybe not as confident as you were. Um, speaking with uh, one of the the backroom um, team, Wayne Henderson. He tells a story that when you were substituted in the 86th minute, you had already decided that we'd won the game.
1: <laughs> yes, you know, you, you need to come with, um, so bad to say because French people obviously have got this, this uh, mark about them, some arrogance, you know, some arrogance and, and, and thinking positive. So I said, look, we've got nothing to lose. They've got to lose. We've got nothing to lose. I know we've got great players. We are very strong in the back. And I know we, we can score, you know, with set pieces. We've got uh, uh, Ryan, who are amazing. And I know we we could do something. And and that day, you know, it's, it's, like I said, with no pressure. You're in Ibrox, they're favorite to win. You've got nothing to lose, so you give everything you've got. And actually, we, we play, actually, I think, even better than them. That that day, we, we used the space um, uh, the way we should have. And it was it's a big pitch. And we managed to use the pitch um, the way we... The perfect way we were very compact in the same time moving all together and and we've done we've done very, very well so yes of course uh, I, I was i knew then the team had the capacity to to win any game you know in, our, in the, when we we're on our our best no team in, in the league could could play better than us unfortunately we didn't manage to to play um, our best enough in the league but honestly um at our best eleven could play in any team.
0: Yeah, great. And uh, and you've got you've still got a very special um, possession from that uh, particular afternoon. Sorry, you've still got a, a, a an important um, possession from that <laughs> afternoon. Yes, still here. It's right here. Fantastic. You know what? I, don't, um, I didn't keep like many jerseys
1: from my from my um, during my career. I didn't keep many.
0: And that—that's one of them. It's one of the special ones. Yeah. I, and 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 you did ask me if, um, if if I wanted you to wear it for the the whole interview, but uh, and it still fits. <laughs> <laughs> look! Look, we just come out of, of um, I
1: don't know how many months lockdown. I'm not going to try
0: it right now. <laughs> I've seen you wearing it. It was it, you can still pull that jersey off. No not Um, they kind of moving on from from such a an enormous achievement, and it. It's it, such an important goal uh, for the kind of history of Wraith Rovers. Um, it dawned on me as I was pulling together some, some questions that I'm often drawn just to the questions about teams that people have played for. But what I kept seeing in your story is your story is entwined with the team that you've played against, and that is Hibernian. Um, and in terms of your time with Wraith Rovers, um, I, I think Wraith Rovers fans would say probably their second favourite Christian Nadi goal was a goal at Easter Road against Hibs, 90th minute, and yeah. uh, and quite a quite a special celebration. Um, tell us about tell us about uh, that particular afternoon.
1: Well, Ibernian is a team that I've been scoring a lot uh, during my career uh, in Scotland, and I've always got this stick with those fans, like always... Um, Alex Bates abusing me about my weight or because of the way I play or things like that, so um, I never responded ever I just keep it to myself and one day I said no that's enough I need to show them and and because obviously uh when I was a race, I was working very very hard. at Dundee first I was working very hard and then I race. It was the same every day in the gym and, and I said okay I know I'm going to score and when I'm going to score I need to show them so so yeah I did and you know what before the game I, I, I sp- um, after the game actually I, I spoke with the coach and I said why you didn't take me off because I was actually not playing very well and I was. He said because we were playing against Ibs it would be an other team I would have took you out. But because it was Ibs, I know you will score at some point, so I just kept you on the pitch.
0: I um when I was saying to I was saying to a friend who supports Dumbarton that um that I was going to be catching up with you. Um and I, and I was saying you know what, what was his memories of your time at Dumbarton. They were very positive. But uh, he, he sent me a link to an interview that you said where um the quote was I wish I could play Hibernian every week. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be the best goal scorer in Scotland. <laughs> I mean, that particular season, the, the championship was incredibly, um, well, it was kind of overwhelmed with talent, with with three um, much bigger um, teams than, than ourselves in that particular league. But you, know, you also played a, a really key part when um, Epps came to Starts Park, 2-1 victory, goals for Vaughan and Stewart, and, uh, and you had a hand in one of the goals there. Can you remember that at all?
1: Yeah, I think uh, it was uh, Louis Vaughan scored uh, the winning Lewis goal. Luis Vaughan scored, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's with this team. You know, if I don't score, I give an assist. And uh, I'm glad we won this game. I remember, yeah, I actually remember because we spoke about it um, <laughs> before the game. We had the small videos, actually, and I posted online. And I said, oh, we play against the Wii team. We already won. and uh, And I posted it before the game and uh, I, so people were think was waiting for me to, after the game and i said look <laughs> I, the- think
0: the Har- I think the i think the hearts fans tuning in might enjoy your race Rovers answers more than the, than the half ones. Uh, sorry the Hearts um, that particular squad we had we had a really really good squad that year um, only lewis bond remains um, 7 years later um, he's just moved into the top uh, kind of 100 uh, appearances of the entire club history and um, uh, are there any
1: of your teammates that you remember from that time that you thought were particularly talented or a particularly good company? Like I said, every single player in this team could have made a huge career. Um, Thompson, the captain, was was amazing. He's an amazing okay. player. And I think he could have played much, much higher football. Um, Bar, amazing centre-back on his, on, his, uh, on his day, he could play for any premiership team. Uh, Luis obviously was young, but he was so talented already. We knew and he could play like at the highest level. Do
0: you think it's a team that could have achieved more?
1: Yeah, of course, of course. The thing is, in this team, we have a lot of lot of young players, talented young players who will achieve more in the next few years. And because we didn't have this, um, we have few players who've got experience, but it was not enough. If you had like few players, like six, seven, eight players got enough. Um, um, uh, experience at this level, we would have achieved so so much more. Honestly, the team was amazing. Even to train, the to add the, the tempo in training was 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 amazing. Uh, with the fan, it was quite difficult because I could feel sometimes the pressure then the, um, the fans could put. They would obviously they knew the the the, the fans knew um, knew the squads. They knew our possibilities. They knew what we could do. And when you you don't achieve at some point, you know. They put pressure on the player, on the player. Sometimes is difficult to respond the way they should. But we should have achieved much, much more. Winning at Ibrox is not something easy, and, and we've done it, and we've done it with style. We didn't just stay in the back and, and wait waited for them. We attacked them. We 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 make them post. Um, we ask them questions, and and um, and yeah, I think there's there's no minute. I don't think there's many games in this uh, that season where a team can say we they boss us around. Yeah. We just yeah. uh, sometimes did a score or, or some mistakes and, and things like that. But we were we had a really, really good team. In our A-games, there's no main team who will beat us, especially at home.
0: Great. How, how important to a team is the support staff, the, the goalkeeping coach, the physiotherapist, the kit man? Because that's a, at that time, um, we, we had a very well-known and a very efficient, skillful and, and, and very humorous, uh, funny uh, background staff. And how supportive
1: were they? Oh, they were amazing. They were they were amazing. I had a um, close relationship with um, our late Gourlay, I think it was um, I was on the phone with him all the time. Uh, an amazing man. Uh, sometime when I fell down, I was talking to him, and he put me back right back up. Our um, late Kitman as well was amazing with his uh, his niece, uh, his granddaughter. I think they were amazing. Always like cheer us up. Um, the coach, the staff—you know—they were um, amazing. Honestly, there is nothing I could fault this. Um, this staff and unfortunately, we didn't uh, achieve what we wanted. But everything was was perfect over there.
0: That's You mentioned about the, the level of expectation from fans, and I, I, and I wanted to I wanted to ask you about a particular game that's that's probably I wonder if it's the low point. Um, certainly, in um, this time with three overs, and maybe wider than that, because there was a game that you played in that left a it left a really important mark on me as a supporter, as someone who interviews, and it was a game that we played against Dumbarton. Um you know, being present when and watched with the fondness of the celebration with the goal against Hibs. and um, as I said, and um, the, the win at Ibrox um, that followed was fantastic. But December 14, we lost two-one at Dumbarton. Scott Agnew scored a late penalty. Um and and I remember it so vividly because at the end of the game, the frustrations of the fans boiled over and they were at the touchline, there was a group shouting at the players and and you were kind of caught up in that and I think think your kit man kind of got you away, uh, got the rest of the team down the tunnel and I I was waiting to to interview the manager. Um, Kit man came out and said the players are fine, Christian's fine, but um, it, it left a real impression on me thinking about the pressure that we supporters put on football players. Um, how do you live with that? How do you cope with the highs and the lows of expectation?
1: Actually, forgot about this, and and you may just put it right back here. I, I remember exactly what I said and what the, the, the fan was saying. I totally understand them. You know, you play your full time team, you play against a part time you. The fans, even you, you expect to win this game, uh, but it's a football game. You know, at the end of the day, it's a football game, and anybody can beat anybody, and. Uh, losing at Dumbarton when we knew that we should have won this game. We were already like frustrated. We were mad at ourselves. We were very, very bad. And you know, the fact that the fans and I understand because they're traveling like through every weather to come and, and, and support their team. And it, it, I can understand that sometimes with the frustration, they will sh- you, you can't hide sometimes your frustration. You need to show. And, and I remember also those, those fans at that time that they, they couldn't hide it. They needed to do it. And it was good. I understood that. So... I went to talk to, to one of them say I understand we are so the same we are feeling the same you don't need to come and shout we already know you don't need to highlight already our bad performance mm. we already know we've done something bad you don't need to come in and, and you're a supporter not someone who have to put us down you meant to support yeah. us okay. and that's why I wanted to uh that the message and I wanted to um, to say and yeah of, of course I felt that I was fine and actually I think I spoke with the guy I think so uh, maybe I read something he said and we were fine but yes, it's frustrating, and also, like I said, we are a very young team. So when you come and there's young players who are still developing, and you come and you give them all those abuse, you know, it can. It's very, it's very difficult here. You know, um, when you come and you go home, and what you do is is play the game and again and again, and you play also what the fans said, what you heard while you were on the pitch. If you're not strong enough, you can play on your on the next game. You know. And then you if you don't do performance if you don't perform well, you might lose your
0: place. And then how you come back from that? So we, we were speaking about and um, just as we started there, it's been seven years since we since we, we could have spoken in and interview or caught up with each other. But but one of the things I certainly wanted to share with you in this interview is seven years ago after that particular game, Race TV, it says volunteers and and we we give our time for love of the club. But after that game we we met. And we decided that we needed to do something different. And what we needed to do different was we needed to assist our supporters to see that our football players are people. Yeah. And um, so things like this interview to, today, and many of the features that we've done since, and certainly, I mean, I don't know how many interviews I've done in the last seven years, but you know, probably three, four, five hundred. And I've always took forward from that moment of watching your interaction that. We need to remember that this is a person before it's a football player. Um, do, do you think we could do, we or or the, the the game in general, could do more to connect fans with um, players in, in, in terms of players being seen as people first?
1: I, I want to add something about what you said. It's not only players, it's young players. Young players, Some yeah. players got 17, 18, 19 years old. They are, they are just out of being a teenager, you know, and some are teenagers. So would you go and speak to some 17 years old in the street and shout at them or scream at them or speak at them or whatever? No, but you would do with someone who's on the pitch because he's on the pitch. Because you pay a ticket, so you things and you've got the right to insult, to push. The, no, you push the guy to get better. Push the guy to give everything he's got. Push the guy for him to, to improve, but don't pull him down. And but I can understand once again, uh, their frustration, how can you help? Maybe it's just to make them get the players closer to the fans. You know, it's, it's easier. To, it's, sometimes it's hard to tell a guy if when you know the guy.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know. So if the player can sometimes come around the fans, something look something I, I used to like to do when I was, I was I wasn't playing. I used to like being around the fans, so I would be on the stand with the fans. So, that you correct and then you create something. Mm-hmm. So, I know sometimes it's difficult to be understand because the people shouting, some people don't know much about football. All they want to see the score. Once someone scored there and the other ones didn't score, so there's something. But being, try to have a relationship with the fans, that would be amazing, but very, very close, you know.
0: I, I find that really interesting. And I think it's something that probably, um, you know, I, would, I would hope everyone takes away from the interview is that we actually remember. Um, in a recent interview, I was speaking with um, a former Wraith Rover striker, Brian Graham, and he said, people just need to remember that they treat, they treat football players as if we're something special. Before we're special, we're people, we're dads, we're brothers, we're sisters. That's what I would ask them to remember. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I just thought it was important to mention that actually, you know, watching an experience like that can bring something positive. Uh, and as I say, we've, we've certainly done... Interviews such as this, and um, they have their um, they have their roots in the fact that we thought we need to do something better to to build a bridge. Um, so so yeah, you've you've left a bit of a legacy with big TV over the, the last number of years. It's um, important that you know that. Um, you, you mentioned about young players uh, coming into the game uh, and they're full of energy and excitement on this journey that's ahead of them. Um, being on the edge of of, of a full time football team um, and seeing the the journey that you have to fight through to make it as a professional football player. So many players arrive and so few actually make it. Um, Do you think we do a good job of of supporting young players in the game? Um, And in fact, I guess players in the game in the, the more general sense.
1: I think people expect so much sometimes, so quick, from the young players, because he played two games very well, so we expect him to be the new Ronaldo to Messi, and we put so much pressure on the young players when we shouldn't. Just let him make mistakes, let him develop, let him do the bad things and good things. Give him so much, give him time. You know, they expect like a 17-year-old to play 38 games in a season, so he can maybe be sold for millions, and then the club make money. Just be patient, make him develop, make him a better person, make him a, a, a man before to sell him or even before I can give his best because you can't give your best at 18 or 19 or 20 normally the reach of a football player is 27 you, the, the the best of a player is 27 and the people expect a 20 years old to be at his best at 20 it's not possible so he says that the football now is, is completely different at, at my time if you are managed to play, for the first team, or even train with the first team at 18, it was a huge achievement. Just train. Now there's a lot of players 18 years old, play and train, and people think that, oh, he's 18, he, he should, um, he's the best player of the team. He need to uh, to make a swing. No, no, no. Is here just a compliment? He need to. he's still learn, learning process, and that's was difficult. I spoke with one coach one day who told me, if a player come to my uh, first team coach, I don't want to name him. If a player come to professional he should know i don't need to teach him anything he should know but he's 18 years old of course he's still learning He need to learn you know it's not you can't put 18 years old put on the pitch and give me a uh, 36 game or 38 games uh, at 100 percent and i want the best of no it's never happened it's not gonna happen so you just need to uh, to treat the, the young players with uh, patience take the time to develop them and then give them maybe even if the player is an absolutely bowler, he's the best player. Don't give him 90 minutes like this, take it slowly, slowly, and towards the end of the season. Yes, more, more game time, but don't just burn the player like this. Because sometimes, when the player 18, he plays every game at 20 years old. You find him in fourth division, sixth division.
0: Because here, it's not right. Another lesson for us fans as well, I guess. Um, yeah. it, you can kind mention of mentioned there as you kind of touched the side of your head about the importance of being mentally strong as well. Um, when you were with Rovers, um, you, you've spoken about how your confidentiality was protected by the club and how you were supported by the club through your, your own kind of um, journey to stronger mental health. What, um, what advice would you give to um, either a young player coming into the game who's struggling with the transition, right through to possibly a, a, an older player who's getting ready to leave the dressing room in terms of um, what steps could they take to um, to keep themselves mentally strong, not mentally to, strong for the game, but mentally strong for life. Just to talk,
1: talk the way, talk to someone to so the way you
0: feel. You know, you can't keep
1: building up and building up. You need to talk because at some point you will explode, but you don't know how and when. So the thing is, you need to talk to speak to someone to. send first, who, who are ready to listen and um, patient as well. You know. Some people. Sometimes you talk to people and they want to give you advices and it's not what you want to hear. You just want to be able to uh, overflow, like speak. Don't keep it to yourself. If you feel bad, just say it. Coach, a teammate, a parents, a friend. I'm not feeling bad. And usually the coach are very understand, understand understanding. They will say, okay. Maybe you need one one day off, two days off, or maybe we're gonna do something else, or you know, stay close to your family or you try to bring the team together, so to to, to show that you're not on your own. But if you don't, if you don't say nothing, and you go training, and you smile, and you laugh, and then as soon as you close the door um, of the, the 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 dressing room, you're all miserable. That won't work.
0: That won't work. I,
1: I'm right here. I've got the
0: experience. And um, have you seen positive change in the game? We see um, mental health charities connected to football clubs. Um, are there really? Um, really interesting discussion with, uh, with Ray Rover's new general manager at a recent match where he was speaking about what the club's plans are for um, joining up with a mental health charity, not only in terms of the playing staff, the coaching staff, the people who work at the club, volunteers like myself, but also the um, the fans themselves. Do you, do you think that um, we're making positive steps in terms of raising awareness?
1: Yeah, of course. I think people start, to, well, I think uh, when I came in Scotland, I've if- or even like until like a few years ago, we'd never talk about something like this. It was like a a, a taboo wow. subject. Nobody would talk about it, you know. And now start people is on TVs, on the radio, is everywhere. So people start to feel confident to talk about it. I hope so. The players start to feel confident, not only the player, but even uh, in the society, everybody starts to talk about it. And you need to know there's always people there to listen. And yes, of course, we I think we are we are on the right way. We are not there yet, but we are we're definitely on the right way. I think every single team should have. Someone with his job is just to to speak with the players, not when the player need it, not when the player need it when ev- maybe once a week, once a month, every single player need to go and speak with with this person, and that would that will definitely help maybe two or three person in a club and then you start to feel comfortable you see how you feel and then you can you can deal with this but if you if you wait till it's too much to speak.
0: It's difficult to, to turn yeah. back. I, I, I'm nodding in agreement there because the conversation I had with our, our new general manager was because of my own working background in, in social services. One of the questions I mentioned to him was, "Why don't clubs have welfare officers?" And he said, "What do you mean?" And tell me more. I'm really interested. And I said, "Actually, just someone who's got a, an ability to listen, but also an awareness of where to access support, and someone that can be there. Actually, just." If they're needed, when they're needed, or even if they're not needed, just to say how are you doing, not actually to say. Um, it 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 always uh, amuses me that and um, when um when fans meet players in the in the street, in the shop, in the supermarket, we talk about football. All we talk about is football. Um, and again, it comes back to the earlier comment about um. We also um live in the same town. We also walk the same streets and we also have the same challenges. So I, I, I was nodding in agreement there and, and it's maybe something that I'll certainly take back to, to my club and maybe other clubs in time will look at, but a welfare officer actually just to say, I can't make you a better football player, but do you need to chat?
1: Yeah, you know, sir, the thing about football players is, well, I don't know about, about me, is we don't like to talk about football. You know, we train every day, we, we've got the pressure every day. So when you can talk about something else, it's like, wow, please talk me. Tell, I want to hear, I, well, personally, I want to know about you. Tell me about you. I don't, you yeah. don't need to know about me. Like, you know, I'm playing football, I'm running after a ball. Tell me about you. I want to know about you. Yeah. You know, I'm, I travel all over the world and I wanted to know people and I speak to people just like this. I, I like to talk to people. <laughs> Even my, my partner, got get crazy because everybody I
0: see in the street, I say, hi, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> Great, uh, Christian. Let's 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 go back to the football track, and um, we will have um, Hearts fans who watch the uh, who watch the, the the interview at halftime, and will catch up with a longer version. So so we we always like to be respectful to the team that we play against. This particular season, when supporters are not getting into the ground, um, we know that um, unless the game's on the BBC, as, as this one is on Friday, um, opposition supporters watch Wraith TV, and, and and we want to give them a service as well. So let's ask a few questions about Hearts, and and the thing that stands out here is I have to start by saying that scoring goals in derby matches always makes you a cult hero at any football club. Um, tell me about those high points of 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 scoring in an Edinburgh derby. You know, every every fan will look at their own local derby and say it's it's the most important. For me, there is no bigger derby than than the Fife derby. Um, but I've Hearts and had heart supporting friends and and they. You know, they try and convince me that it's another level, and I say it's only another level because it's your emotions instead of my emotions. Um, we can never transfer what that would be like to move from the terrace into the to over the white line, and then actually to put the ball over a different white line. What what was that sen- sensation like?
1: Well, you need to know first, and um, the build up don't come on the Saturday. You come for yeah. the week before, yep. so that the build up starts as soon as the game the week the, the game of the week before finish now you know that the next game is is hips and i was I, and i'm just saying next week but some people talk about the months before and then you start to feel the build up and then even you see like the the <laughs> the the atmosphere change in the dressing room like the full training session because you say whoa better perform we didn't win last week if we don't win against them we're dead guys please we need to give everything you've got and you feel the pressure and um, uh, hearts obviously want more derbies than hips. So we, we can be behind hips. we can be even in a lower league. we are still favorite to win. So if you don't perform, you know what you, ex- you know what's waiting for you. The thing is when you score against hips, it's amazing. like the, the feeling, the love that you feel from the fans from your teammate, from the club is amazing. but if you miss a chance, <laughs> and they win <laughs> <laughs> I remember um uh I think we played against teams at home and and I uh, it was the last uh, I, I had the ball on the in the bar crossbar it was the last minute or maybe it was uh, hit, um it's the road I've been they destroyed me for missing yeah. this they destroyed me they wouldn't probably in another team but against him, they destroyed me and he was actually a great header yeah because I didn't score so he can be either a it's difficult if you win and you score, like you say, your hero. If you miss,
0: <laughs>
1: you need to be strong.
0: Yeah, I'm assuming that um, that Hearts fans still um, celebrate your your achievements uh, in their jersey. Uh, yeah, I've got message. Let's say I've
1: got messages still talk about this, and some people when I'm sometime in Edinburgh talk about this. So yeah, it's, it's still nice to be uh, recognized that way, you know.
0: What's um, what's it like to play in Pinecastle when the stadium's absolutely full? And um, we've we've said on record earlier in the season when we played Hearts that, outside in my own ground um, in Scottish football, it's it's the one that we, we like to visit. It's the one that, that that looks like supporters have designed it. What's it like to, to play in a, a, a full Pinecastle? You know, there's there's um, there's um, some player
1: from Celtic or from Rangers when you ask them where is except your own ground, where is the base Stadium we like to play, they will all say Tank Castle. When you get there, there's like a way the play the, the fans are on top of each other, they're on top of the players, and you feel it, it's, it's weird, it's the atmosphere, it's like actually you feel the pressure right there. When you go for throwing, and then the player can, <laughs> the fans can grab or you just go take like two steps back and you and you, you feel the the the, the player, the fans just behind you, and telling you well, when you play for heart it's fine, but when you are you are an opponent. It must be tough. This must be very, very tough. Hearts are tough guys. They are very yeah. tough. Yeah.
0: Tell me about your. Tell me about your manager when you were at. And um, Laszlo. I, I noted um, one of your interviews. You spoke really fondly of him when he when he was just before he became the Dundee United manager. You were saying, "Look, th- th- this this is a good manager." Tell us a bit about um, working underneath him. Um. Uh, Shaba is, is a
1: straight guy. So he will come to you and he, he, will, um, he will tell you the way it is. He won't try to pretend or anything. If you played good, he will say you've been good. Mm. If you played bad, don't expect him to say you could have done better. No, you've been bad. And, and that's what you know you want to hear. Football side is a very, very good tactician. Tactically, you know, we spent, I think it was every Tuesday or every Friday, just working on tactic. It was so frustrating. But the first season he was there. We, I think we had the best defense. The way we were playing, it was amazing. And despite it was not too enjoyable for the fans because we were play, we playing very tactically and they're not used to it. But for, for us, we are on the pitch. It was amazing because we were all moving in the same time, doing everything together and he brought this to the club and to us. And it was amazing. I've played with a lot of, of, um, of coaches from my career. Uh, obviously in France, we work tactic a lot. Uh, but he's one of' the, he's one of the
0: the, the coach I had who are very very good at it How much more difficult was his job with mr Romanov well I was going to say looking over his shoulder but possibly and um, standing in front of him how How difficult was that for for your manager to, to be in control?
1: I think uh, unfortunately for, for 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 the coach um, it wasn't only the um, it wasn't only the owner. It was some of the players who are backstabber. And that's why he had to leave. I, I don't want to say any names, but um, that was, was, you know, when you play, when you coach a team like Hearts, you need to, um, to expect pressure from the fans, from the club, from, from, from everybody. But if you've got also pressure from the own players, who well, well, are not happy they complain, you originals and then you're on your way
0: out. Was Mr. Romanov's um, presence yes. difficult for the players? He,
1: no, it was. It was. Um, it's not some things, and you will see in every football teams. Let's yeah, say it's very of,
0: clubs.
1: Yeah. Um, Sometimes was comical. It was, it was funny. Sometimes it was very, very frustrating. But um, it's not uh, the reason why sometimes we didn't perform.
0: Can, can you remember any of the silly examples?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he came one day and, and he, he brought us like, you know, the Russian dolls? Yeah. I said, well, why? And he, 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 we came. <laughs> I, I, If I remember correctly, he came and he said, uh, guys, um, uh, I'm going to put your salary down. Uh, I don't think it was 20% down. Uh, but we all need to sign this paper for me to do it. If you don't sign, I can't do it. And we were like, okay, <laughs> we're not going to sign. <laughs> but uh, he still done it, by the way. Okay. And, uh, and at the end of the this meeting, he came and said, guys, I need to give you something. And he gave us like uh, Russian dolls. Like, oh, wait, what do you want us to do with this? So I left
0: mine just in uh don't it wasn't Russian dolls with his face on it, was it? <laughs> no, 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 no. But it, it was
1: just weird, you know. It, it wasn't the bad person. It's not the bad person, but it was. Uh, I don't think it was chairman uh, material. And
0: um, tell me a wee bit about um, the, Christian Nadi. And um, one of the subjects that comes up, and you know, I would we would be honest and, and and look at all bases. Tell me about your relationship with your your playing weight. I've looked through fans' forums, articles, and I've seen all sides of the debate. I've seen a heart supporter claiming that you used weight gain to to force a move away from Hearts. I've seen opposition fans shouting abuse at you when they're holding two pies and and are enormous. I've also seen, as a Ray fan, um, the forums erupt with, what diet is Christian Naddy on? He's absolutely ripped. Tell me about your relationship with, with your weight through your,
1: your playing career. So when I was a heart, and you can ask me, I was raped. Yeah, but there's a, there's a things and um, I had the hernia for the first two years. I was a heart. I had the hernia, and oh. uh, before every game, I needed to take um, I think it was the night before a two and hundred, which it was quite bad. And before every training, before every game, before I'm going to the warm up. I would get an injection, so um, I can't even tell you the the situation of my stomach. I was like bloated all the time, and I could feel myself like this. Um, but you know, it, it, it looked bad. But if I was like, yes, on, on, and obviously on the picture the guy took, I looked so bad, and I recognize my, I recognize it.
0: Yeah.
1: But it wasn't like this. If
0: it,
1: it wasn't like this, and um, and because they, I, I, I started to believe it because I had one, uh, and you can ask um, one of the, um, the physio coach, who are Tom Ritchie, I had one of the less fat on, on the team, the body fat. I, I was one of the lowest percentage, but I get abused all the time. And I, um, but it was fine. And then at some point I started to believe that I was fat. And that's when it's bad, you know, you start to play in your head and then you uh, you just give up. And uh, something happened, and I said, no, I need, I need to change. I need to change and I need to show And I'm not. And and uh, and I became with 2% two, two body fat at some point, but that was actually the
0: extreme. Yeah. So did the, did the songs and the, the comments that were made, did they initially have a negative effect, but did they actually um, motivate you in the end? It's, it's weird,
1: it's weird because I thought then that was motivating me, but it was yeah. this. Tr-
0: yeah.
1: I thought then I I would use this, but in the same time, I was not is big, as, but scared. Mm-hmm. Like, I was scared then to, to be around people and tell, to hear this again, you know. Um, people could sing when they think about it, sometimes it was funny. When the full system think about it, it's funny. But when there's only one person who look at you and just tell you straight in your head, in your face, ah, it's very hurtful. Mm. And uh, and I didn't know how to cope with this step, and um, I just kept it. I just kept it to myself. never tell any, anything uh, to anybody until uh, yeah, it was it was just just uh, just too much.
0: And another another little thing that we could be picking up is uh, part of the kind of I guess the personal education of young football players as well, isn't it? That, that that sounds I don't think there'll be any player that will go through their career and certainly in the senior game without being targeted by their own fans, opposition fans. Um yeah, maybe a bit of learning that, that we could share with the game in general. Um
1: It's it's not unethical when you um there's another thing, when you come from another country, right? You come from another country. You don't have your mom, you don't have your dad, you don't have uh, anybody, you come on your own. And there's only you, you come back from, from training tired, and you need to make yourself food, you need to eat, you need to do it. so, everything. And you only want 20, 21, 22. How many uh, 20, 20 years old from Scotland, let's say, move to another country by themselves and deal with everything? It's, it's, it's not easy. It's not. It's not. It's not easy. It's not easy things to do. Uh, like I say, people expect you to be the best at twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. And no, nah, when you, it's, it's difficult.
0: It's interesting because you know the professional game has been in our country for so long, but you, you're saying so many things that, that are that are true of, of what's happening in, in our own club at Raith Rovers where you know we're speaking about. Um, we've got a long history, particularly actually, with uh, players coming from France. And, but speaking with the club about, you know, what how how it's been very difficult with the pandemic, and um, because obviously people can't be in each other's houses. But prior to that, um, having some discussions, you know, what more could we do to help um, players travelling into the team to settle? And one of the things was um, invite them out for a coffee, invite them up to your your have, have you know have have lunch with your family, because again, yeah. don't stand off because they're young football players; they're actually um, young people. Uh, and I guess that's the theme that 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 kind of runs through this, and certainly. Uh, I would encourage any fan to do that, to because to, um, the rewards are the rewards are significant. I think for for both sides. Um, yeah.
1: So of course, the player feels comfortable and he's happy and everything. Of course, he's going to give his best. But if uh, every time as soon as the training is finished, uh, the training is uh, ended, he's going home and he's on his own.
0: And it's possibly because, especially younger fans, will, will watch the kind of Premiership or watch uh, in Scotland or England, and and you maybe think that. Every player goes home to a big mansion with um, games rooms and cinema rooms. and But actually, the majority of football players, are, you know, from what I understand from speaking with, with your colleagues, it's, it's quite a lonely existence at times. Yeah, I was actually reading
1: something a long time ago, I think it was a couple of days ago, something about Obi Mikel playing for Chelsea. And he said then when he moved to the UK, he, he, he found himself another family. He could play for Chelsea, but he could be close to a player who were playing for Man United. Just because he was African, not have to be from Nigeria like him, but he was African. And he said, and I think he said once a month, once every two months, all the players who are from Africa, they will meet to each other and talk and have fun and everything. We don't have this in in, um, And they've, they've made it themselves, but we don't have this in, um, in, in Scotland. And I think, of course, sometimes you can meet your friends and because you've come from France and, and you, you create something. I don't think it's enough, like seeing each other once um, uh, every two months or just for 20 minutes, no, it's not enough. I think the player needs to feel like he finds another family by coming here and that's when he can give his best because going home and eating pa- uh, going to uh, eating pasta all the time, at some point you're tired and you start to eat takeaway. Yeah. Tell me about
0: the journey out of um, football. You know, you've you've obviously got a, a deep, deep love of the game because you know, you've you gone and you've, you've played through the levels, you've had the, the, the highs of playing Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool, and, and you come down the leagues and and you keep playing. Now, that obviously tells us that you just adore football. Um, what advice would you give to players who, who are getting ready to finish their career? Because um, uh, the reason I asked that question is that I've interviewed lots of former players um, from Braith Rovers over the last kind of, 15 years or so, and the, the one thing they always say they miss the most is the dressing room. How, how do you make that transition from the dressing room out to, out to the ordinary world where, where it doesn't exist?
1: It's, it's difficult. Um, at some point, actually, this yeah, last year, I wanted to stop and I said, I can't, I need to, my body needs to rest, I want to stop. And then I was like, no, I, I need this. I need to be around the boys. I need to be in the dressing room. and I, I need to talk. I need to have these banter. And I can't. I can't have anywhere else. I need to to listen the the the, the, <laughs> the lies of the boys. I want to get their fake stories. Uh, <laughs> and it's true when you know them. And you've never been on the moon. We know that. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you, you miss those things, and that's something that you can't find anywhere else. You know, and uh, and I just went back and played for this. Um, Junior team and bank, which it was, it was it had a great time. Yeah. No, it's, it's difficult. It's not something that you can. I think for everybody it will be different. You know, I, I like to be around the boys. I like to 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 laugh. I like to be uh, sometimes the clown or to be uh, the one who um will be the tough one. And and when there's not this, it's like you need to recreate yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to to um to you see the world differently because it's not the same anymore. It's um, it's difficult like what I'm gonna do for, for to me yes I love football I've been through every um, like from the bottom to the to the top and um, and, and and top to the bottom yeah. uh, but I loved it obviously sometimes it was difficult but I loved it and uh, and I was telling the boys uh, because I was playing for unbank and I sent a message yesterday and I said um, at some point I stopped I wasn't so much in love with football than I used to be and you gave me this again like coming oh, nice. with and just have fun just come in training those people were not getting paid but they were there on time coming in training all the time and they were having fun and laugh and after the games, they will have a beer if they could or it was just like I love this that's why I wanted to play football and uh, yes and that the thing is I'm scared to stop because of, of
0: um, the fact that I, could, I will miss this but you've got your faith. Is that your your strength in moving forward? Sorry? So you've got your religious faith. Um is, is that the the strength that helps you keep moving forward?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I'll um honestly if I if I was if I didn't have Jesus in my life, I wouldn't be here, I think, that's for sure. But yes, and also you know, I, I started to well, we had a group chat with a player we've been uh, I've been in um uh, how you call this, um I was in an academy academy in France, from 15 to professional. Some became professional, youth professional, some no. And uh, we plan to uh, to meet and, and then play some friendly games in France. And just, just some time, maybe two or three times a year, meet and just play friendly games just because we miss this banter, we miss this, uh, this atmosphere, and that's what we want back. It's something that you, know, you can't describe or explain to anybody. It's just you need to live through this to say, oh my God, I went to training eight o'clock and we started to we laugh from eight o'clock until the tuning starts. So if you drinks our at ten for two hours you've been laughing and then you it's, it's weird as well the way you switch on like this, like you can be laughing, being a clown for two hours, and as soon as the training starts, it's finished. You are professional and then that's why that's what you um, you are.
0: Let me let me um, ask you a, a difficult question. And um, you've got to choose one moment of your career to to play a game. The, 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 People always put forward in, in any interviews the, the point you're Sheffield United um, win a goal at Arsenal, Derby winners perhaps. Um, of course, we speak about your you know your goal against uh, that wins the tie at, at Ibrox. It, it might or it might be a, a personal memory from your career that, that your family particularly enjoyed. Um, what what moment of your career would you play again?
1: I had a few amazing moments in my career, so there's shoes and I would like to play again. But I think the um... My first one was my first game where I scored my first goal in professional and my dad was in, a, in the stand and he cried. It was an amazing goal. It was against uh, one of the French national team goalkeeper, uh, L'Andreau, Michael L'Andreau, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. who was a goalkeeper in France. And uh, he won the World Cup and I scored the head outside the box. So, uh, and I was only 18, I think, and my dad was there and he was crying and that's something, you know, he, he would never... Go away from my memory. Yeah, that's the best thing in my football,
0: yeah. Great. So all of these moments with um full stadiums and the, the memories that you've left for fans, but the most important ones, the one you left for your dad. Yeah, yeah, the stadium was full as well. But... Was it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Um, as you look back on your 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 senior football career, what's what's your assessment? You're proud of what you've achieved?
1: You know, there's people who say um, you can not never regret anything. Yeah. Nah, of course you, you regret things. Of course. Because I think my, my career would have been so much different if if I would have been maybe more professional sometimes. Mm-hmm. My career would have been different if uh, Romanov would have let me go when I wanted to leave. Um, and I would have been maybe, I would have kept being professional. Um, I would have be different if I to work harder, because I don't think I worked as hard as I could. So yes, I've got regrets about my career, yeah.
0: But all of that brings us to where we are now, all the memories that we've discussed and all the stories that we've, we've swapped is, um, who is Christian Nadi? How would you describe yourself to, to someone who didn't know you?
1: Wow, you know what, I think nobody ever asked me this. Um, I don't know. That's something you should ask to my girlfriend. <sighs> um, where am I? I just like someone who like to um, to uh, to smile. I wish I could make everybody smile. Um, I like to make, I get, it's weird. I get more pleasure of people being happy than I actually am. Um, I'm very, I don't know if it's a word in English, in French, altruist. I think about, I thinking, other, yeah. I think, think about, what? yeah. I think about others before to think about myself and, um, and yeah, I just, I just love seeing people smile. That's, that's, that's the way I think uh, I could describe myself, yeah.
0: The, the only place to really finish the interview is by asking you to show us that jersey again, because it's quite an important one. Which side? <laughs> Which side?
1: This one?
0: <laughs> that side will do. It's fantastic. I've got a, I've got, I've got a picture up on my wall that you signed um, of you spinning away from the goal. Um, so I'll send you a wee picture on the, on Messenger and let you see that. It's um, it's great, great chatting with you, okay. Christian. I was going to ask. I, I asked the question um, about what's in your near future. We're speaking about some plans and some things we might be able to do together. And then after we initially stopped recording, you tell me a fantastic story about um, a journey that you're just about to make to America. Tell us about tell us about why you're going. Tell us about what
1: you'll be doing when you're there and tell us about who you'll be spending time with. So there's a tournament, uh, it's called the Isco Cup, happening uh, in, uh, in Florida. It was meant to be in all over the, the Caribbean, but it's going to happen in Florida because of COVID issues. Um, going down on the 26th of July, is a four-month tournament with players like um, Patrice Evra, uh, Yaya Toure, Samuel Ito, Samir Nasri, uh, Toti, they're trying to get Ronaldinho. all those legendary players. Uh, and I've been invited to go and play, so I'm very, very excited. Obviously, during lockdown, I put some weight, so I've got three months to to go to my um, to my normal weight and 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 work so hard to be able to um, to shine when I'm there. And then probably after that, I will stop football. But yeah, I can't wait.
0: Well, we can't wait to hear about it. And and it's maybe a lovely way to start and finish a, a an interview. We start speaking about some of my favourites, so Ryan Conroy and Mark Stewart. Yeah. We've mentioned. Um, So many names from that team and we end up speaking about Ronaldinho and and so (laughs) forth. Um, I still know who I would rather be watching, but um, keep in touch and keep up to date. What a wonderful story.